this Christmas, I received an unexpected gift. I received an Apple Watch. And I've never had a watch that did more than tell time before. So it was really something. Um, all my watches in the past have told me either the time of day or how long it takes me to run a certain distance, which is taking a lot longer than it used to as I get older. But this watch, this thing's incredible. I mean, it's like having a computer and a personal assistant and all of this right on your wrist. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking what a um, missed opportunity it'd be to, to only use it to tell time. And the more that I, I find out about this watch, the more I realize there is to learn about this watch. It just, there's so much to it. Well, four weeks ago, we launched a series on prayer. And I want to encourage you to, to take out your notes and, and write this down. This is so true about prayer, much more than any kind of device that we could ever get. God wants you to experience new discoveries with prayer. New discoveries with prayer. May I present to you, um, as much as you know about prayer, as much as I know about prayer, there is always more to learn. There is always more to learn. There's so much to it. And I am so thankful for a lot of the experiences I've had throughout my life that have, have taught me that. I, I'm thankful for my Lutheran upbringing where we had all of these liturgical prayers that now I look back on and go, man, those were amazing. But I'm also thankful for the time I spent in evangelical churches where they taught me, and my youth director did this too, where they taught me to pray in my own words. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for my time with my charismatic brothers and sisters for years of journeying with them where they, they, they helped me to realize that prayer is powerful. It is powerful. I'm thankful for people who taught me about spiritual disciplines. I'm thankful for people who've taught me how to pray the scriptures. I'm thankful for people who have, are teaching me the importance of listening, of being still and knowing that he is God. I'm thankful for the latest books that I read. I've been recommending several books throughout the series. I'm thankful for those. You put some of them in your notes today. There's some great stuff there. The more that I continue to learn about prayer, the more I learn there is to learn about prayer. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. You know, just when you think you've got new discoveries, there's more to, to, to learn. There's a guy named Peter Marshall. He's a former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. And he once said this. He said, God has equipped us to go deep sea diving. And we wade in bathtubs. That's true on all kinds of fronts, but it's especially true, I think, when it comes to prayer. And throughout this series, um, one of the ways we've tried to expand our own thinking here with prayer is we've given you the acronym ACTS, which talk about four different dimensions of prayer. The A, let's see if people have been paying attention. The A stands for adoration. Very good. Praising and honoring God. The C stands for confession. Way to go. Confessing before God our, our sins and shortcomings. T stands for thanksgiving. You guys are rocking this. Well, a lot of you knew this way before we started the series too. And then there's the S. The S is the most common form of prayer. That's we call supplication. It's where you're asking God for things, where you're asking God for things. Now, what you could do with any one of those four dimensions that we put out there, you could take any one of those four and drill deeper. Take just supplication, just asking God for things, just the S. You could drill deeper into there because the Bible says sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Sometimes it's that simple. The Bible also provides examples that emphasize persistence. Sometimes when it comes to, to supplication, what God would have us to do is to be persistent, to continue to ask. The Bible also provides examples that emphasize the importance of faith. The Bible at times, when it comes to asking for things, emphasizes the importance of agreeing with others in prayer. 
and checking our motives and reconciling a relationship first and praying in Jesus' name and fasting and laying out of hands, any one of which could be a series in and of itself. You see how this works? There's so much to prayer. Well, one of the sources that I was looking at throughout this series reminded me to press into the example that Jesus himself uh, modeled when it came to supplication. And he prayed very differently than most of us do when it came to asking for something to, to change. When it came to healing or casting out demons or moving mountains, Jesus rarely, if ever, prayed and said, God, would you? He spoke to mountains to move. He spoke and commanded for demons to flee. He told the dead to rise. It was a very different form of prayer than many of us are accustomed to. There's a relationship that, that, that is between authority, the authority we have in God, and prayer that I, I would love for us to take a whole series sometimes on that. In fact, I made a note. We've got to come back to that sometime. This relationship between authority and prayer. Well, all this to say, God wants to take us deeper when it comes to prayer. And if you've never studied prayer before, actually a great place to start is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there together. Genesis, it's the very first chapter in the or book of the Bible. And we're going to look at the very first chapter of the very first book. If you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. We keep um, stack of them at the stack of Bibles there at the table. We encourage you to take one as a gift uh, today. All right, so here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said. Those are the three words I want to lock into right now. And God said. They may be some of the most significant words you can think of when you're trying to understand prayer and how it works. The words, and God said, are as significant as any you're going to find in the Bible. When God created through his word, he created a world where our words and our actions have real consequences. He didn't create a world where he's going to do what he's going to do and we just sit back and watch it. When God created this world, he created a world where our actions have a real impact on it. They influence the world around us. Now, most of the time, our words and our actions are subject to what we call natural laws. Laws like gravity, laws like the laws of thermodynamics, laws like the laws we study in physics. Most of the time, that's how the world works in the cause and effect way. But when God created through his word, he also chose to create a world where our prayers can influence the world in what we would call supernatural ways as well. I came across a quote by C.S. Lewis in my prep that speaks to this. Before I read this quote, I want to let you know today there's going to be a lot of quotes. There's so much great stuff in there. And if you'd like any of these quotes, just send me an email or use your connection card and I'll, I'll send you a list of all these quotes. These guys say it better than I would paraphrase, so you'll have a bunch of them here today. So here's the first of many quotes. This is from C.S. Lewis in regards to this whole idea of, of, of how does this all work. He says, Praying for particular things, said I, always seems to me like advising God how to run the world. Wouldn't it be wiser to assume that he knows best? Well, on the same principle, said he, I suppose you never ask the man next to you to pass the salt because God knows best whether you ought to take the salt or not. And suppose you never take an umbrella 
because God knows best whether you ought to be wet or dry. The odd thing is that God should let us influence the course of events at all. But since he lets us do it in one way, I don't see why he shouldn't let us do it in the other. Now, I was blessed to be able to see a person that actually embodied this. His name is Greg Berglund. Many of you know Pastor Greg. Um, He was my boss's boss at a church that I I used to work at. Um, Again, many of you know him. Greg wrote a book that uh, was one of the the books I read in preparation for the series called This Mountain. And uh, it really stretches you in a way some of the other books uh, don't stretch you. Every book that I recommend stretches you in one way or another. This one stretches in a particular way. But in his book, Greg writes about some supernatural healings that were the direct result of the kind of prayer we talked about earlier. And he doesn't just say some like internet story stuff. It's stuff that he saw firsthand. And some of it is remarkable, as in blind eye recovering sight, kind of remarkable, as in fingers growing, kind of remarkable in front of witnesses, that kind of remarkable. Now, here's one of the reasons why I have so much respect for Greg. God chose to work through him on some of those supernatural healings, but he says this. This is a direct quote from his book. He says, I went through a personal awakening of my faith in my college years. And at that time, I sensed a call to become a pastor, but I never lost my love for the sciences. After working as a pastor for a dozen years, I went back to school to become a medical doctor. And here's the money sentence. Not to leave the ministry, but to what? to add to it. Him leaving pastoring to become a medical doctor wasn't leaving the ministry. It was to add to it. Greg sees no contradiction between praying for healing and performing surgery like he does now. There's no contradiction. They are both healing. They are both God working through Greg. In fact, his book is really interesting to me because the first part is more about the, 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 the philosophy of this. And then the last section of the book is specific things about specific diseases, like how they affect your body. He says, so that you know how to pray, pray specifically in this way for this kind of thing. It's, it's really interesting. Well, I've mentioned several times in the past that one of my favorite Bible verses is Nehemiah four, nine, and where it says this, we prayed and we posted a guard. It's not either or, right? You don't pray for God to protect your house and then leave your door wide open. You lock your door and you pray for protection. It's both. Okay, all this to say, God designed a world where prayer makes a difference. That's the world he created. Do we understand all the hows? Nope, but that is the world that he created. A world where prayer makes the difference. And there's always more that we can learn about prayer. One of the things we've talked about so far in this series, if you're just joining us, is that God answers every prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes. And all we need to do is ask. In week two, we talked about sometimes the answer to prayer is, let's try that again. Why don't you check your motives first? Why don't you reflect on what you're asking me first? Sometimes that's the answer. Try again. In weeks three and four, those were the really hard ones. Because sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait, and those can be really hard. Well, here's what we're going to do this week with the time that we have left. We're going to explore those times when God wants to answer our prayer by doing something unexpected in us or through us, because sometimes that's how he wants to answer the prayer, 
in us, by changing us, or through us. And this is a great statement. I'd encourage you to write this down in your notes. The primary purpose of prayer may be to change the nature of the person who prays. Let that one sink in a little bit. The primary purpose of prayer may be to change the nature of the person who prays. I came across this great quote in a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. This is by Bill Hybels. He says, whether we admit it or not, a lot of our prayers probably sound to God like this. I don't want to face my own shortcomings. I don't want to work on this relationship. I don't want to change at all. And then he adds, God is not beyond feeling used by his children, especially when we act like college kids who phone home only when money runs. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing a little amens coming from the crowd here. We don't want to be like that. In fact, imagine a relationship. Imagine a relationship where the only interaction is one person is asking the other person for something. Is that even a relationship? And yet we can fall into that trap, right? Where when we pray, it's always, always, God, would you? Is that an important part of prayer? Yes. That's the yes. If that's the only part of prayer, then we're missing out. Then we're missing out. Here's another great quote. This is by Timothy Keller. He says, I was meant to ask the Holy Spirit to help me, and I love this phrase, experience my theology. Faith should not just be a set of beliefs in your head, right? Experiencing our theology. Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has for us. Well, if you want to learn how to pray, if you want to learn how to pray, the master is Jesus. And one of the reasons I say that, if you look at the life of Jesus, unlike anybody else I know, it seems like he always knew how to pray in a certain situation. He doesn't always pray the same. And it seems like he always knew the right way to pray in a given situation. And there's no better source I can point you to than to look at Jesus. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do, if you're going to look at, at Jesus, is actually go to the texts themselves. Go to the Bible itself. We recommend a lot of source resources here. They're good. But they should be supplementary to going to the Word. T Tim Keller sums this up better than, than I can. I'm, I don't want to paraphrase him. This is what he says about going into the Word. If attended to with trust and faith, the Bible is the way to actually hear God speaking and also to meet God himself. Now listen to this. This is so true. Language is spoken into us. We learn language only as we're spoken to. We are plunged at birth into a sea of language. Then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer. Mama, Papa, bottle, blanket, yes, no, give me money. We were spoken to before we spoke. Did you catch that last one? We were spoken to before we spoke. What if we reverse things? What if instead of us just blurting out to God, what if we first were spoken to before we spoke? Our prayers should arise out of immersion in the scripture. We should plunge ourselves into the sea of God's language, the Bible. Jesus was the word. 
And we learn so much about Christ and about prayer as we immerse ourselves in the scriptures. And specific to this week's emphasis, there's a place to write this in your notes. The more we pray like Christ, the Christ we find in the scriptures, the more we pray like Christ, the more Christ-like we become. These prayers start to change us. As we pray like Jesus prayed, they actually start to change us. Well, we can learn a lot about Christ by the things he didn't pray for. Isn't that true? And one of the things that Jesus didn't spend a lot of time praying for is the S, the stuff or the supplication from the ACTS acronym. When our prayers become more balanced, and that, oh, that was the next, next blank there, that when we pray more like Christ, we think less about the S, less about the stuff, less about the supplication. When our prayers become more balanced, we begin to experience prayer that's more transformational. Great quote from Bill Hybels about the difference that prayer, uh, the prayers of adoration make is this. He says this about these, these prayers of praise and adoration. Adoration sets the tone for the entire prayer. It reminds us of whom we're addressing, whose presence we've entered, whose attention we've gained. How do you pray a prayer so filled with faith that it can move a mountain? By shifting your focus from the size of your mountain to the sufficiency of the mountain mover. And then... Stepping forward in obedience. That's what adoration does. We start to get a right understanding of who God is. And then when it comes to confession, all right, when it comes to confession, I was reading another book and this, this pastor, he said, he, he actually he gave me what I think is one of the best images for a church that I've ever heard. He says, church is, should be a lot more like a hospital waiting room than an office where a bunch of people are waiting for a job interview. Like, that is brilliant, and it's true. And it all deals with confession. In a hospital waiting room, you got a bunch of people who acknowledge they need help. They're broken. They're sick. They want to get better. Isn't that what confession is? You know, in, in, a, in an interview, in an office, often what's going on there is everyone's got their best self, right? best image. I prepared. I prepped. What am I going to say? I want to win this thing. I want to be better than those around me. What if, what if more of us embrace that part of prayer where we don't look at confession as something that we should be ashamed of. Confession is just wanting to get better, wanting to get help, wanting to get whole, acknowledging what is already true. Let's just call it what it is, right? Isn't that a good image? Hospital waiting room. I love that. And that's what confession does. It helps us to get all in that level playing field. Level playing field. We are all broken people that need help. And then there's the prayers of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Keller says this about giving thanks. And this is so important in this area where we live. An area where there's so much affluence. Keller says this about giving thanks. Gifts from God that are not acknowledged as such are deadly to the soul. Because they thicken the illusion of self-sufficiency that leads to overconfidence and sets us up for failure. We begin to say, it was me and only me who did this. All right, so again, as I emphasize A, C, and T, please don't misread. Is it good to ask God for things? Yes. Does he invite us to ask things? Yes. Does he love to give good gifts to his kids? Yes. And, and. That's one part of prayer. All right, here's the second thing. It happens when we follow the example and teachings of Jesus when it comes to prayer. When we pray more like Christ, our eyes are opened 
to the spiritual realm. When Jesus walked the earth, there were times where he recognized what was going on. Sometimes what was going on is there was a spiritual force at work, and he called it out. And I have a story I want to share with you guys that happened last week. I worked on this message last week. I was planning to work on it starting on Wednesday, and this happened that night right before. Um, true story. So th- for the last couple of weeks, I've had, some, had, time, had a hard time sleeping, and, and a lot of it's been stress-induced. And, but this one in particular, it was really heavy. It was Tuesday night. And I was feeling, maybe you felt this before, most of you probably have, where the stress was so strong that I could literally feel the adrenaline pumping through my body. And so I tried to go to sleep, and, and, um, and, and it was getting after midnight, and I laid down. I had kind of sleep from midnight-ish till three-ish, and I'm like, this is just not working. Why, why even try? So, so I, I, I grab my Bible, and I try to start reading. Have you ever had that experience where you're just, your eyes are just going over the page over and over again? So I'm like, okay, so I get up, I go down to the couch downstairs and I pick up Berglund's book. Not because it's boring, <laughs> but I'm like, let me see if that changing things is going to work. It's a great book. Well, up until that point, I'd read chapters 1 through 12. And one of the things that Greg was talking about a lot is to have our authority in Christ, to, to pray out of the authority that God has. It's not your own power, it's God's power, but you use that authority. And so, the, and I opened up my book, the chapter I was on was chapter 13, and chapter 13 was about the demonic realm. And I'm like, I got nothing to lose. And so, right there on my couch, I started thinking, okay, some of this is church-related. So, God, you've given me authority as the founding pastor of this church. It's not my authority. I didn't earn it. I didn't look for it. But you gave me this authority. So in that authority, in Jesus' name, I speak to powers and principalities that are causing this and that and the other thing. And if you're involved in what's going on here, I cast you out. I'm thinking, okay, what else? Am I got authority. This household. I'm one of the members of this household, heads of this household. So I speak to any power principalities that are involved in whatever's going on here. I cast you out of my house. All right, I'm a steward of this body. God's given me control over these molecules. So I cast anything. So I go, and you guys, I'm not exaggerating. I felt, I felt felt it drain from my head to my toes. Like, this is cool. (laughs) It was kind of like that story I told about the flies a couple weeks ago. I'm like, did that just happen? So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to think about that stressful thing. Nope, I'm good. It was just, it was so cool. Now, is that always the case? No. Is that, you know, is it always that that there's a demonic whatever behind something? No. But in that moment, That was the prayer that I was to pray. And sometimes, sometimes as you learn to pray like Christ, sometimes you'll identify this is what needs to happen in this instance. It was really, really cool. Now, where are we? Uh, Oh, here, next one. Here's a third thing. Here's a third thing that's likely to happen if you follow the example and teaching of Jesus when it comes to prayer. When we pray more like Christ, our hearts become filled with compassion. The more we pray like Christ, the more our hearts become filled with compassion. As you immerse yourself in the scriptures, you are going to encounter a God who cares and who cares deeply. And when God walked the earth as Jesus of Nazareth, we see that. Here's an example from, Luke, or from John, John chapter 11, verses 33 through 35. What's happening here is that Jesus had a close friend who died. Several days later, Jesus arrives, and this is what's going on. When Jesus saw one of his friends weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. He was greatly troubled. 
And he said, where have you laid him? His friend who died. They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. The more we pray like Jesus prayed, the more we start to get God's heart. And I've always done my best to pray for others. But this series has added new perspective to me. Because while the primary reason we should pray for others is because prayer makes a difference, there's an an additional thing that happens too. And that's the change that can happen in us. I'm going to recommit. I've gotten out of the habit of writing down prayer lists and coming back to them. I've been getting really good at one-offs when it comes to prayer. Yeah, you're sick. I'll pray for you. And then I just let it go. God can see. God can see all people all the time. We don't. One of the things that having a prayer list that we come back to time and time again, we're reminded of that person. And so when I, when I pray for folks in relationships, in marriages, in families, where it's hard, I'm brought back into their story. And there's the part of me that then gets drawn back in, right? And it changes in a good way. And I might reach out to them. I might say, how are you going? How's that situation? When somebody's sick and we pray again and again until they either get healed or God takes them home, then then we get drawn in. And sometimes then we see, we begin to feel their struggle just a tiny bit, right? Where we, it hasn't come yet. It hasn't come yet. It hasn't come yet. And we might be motivated then to send a note or, or to check in with people, right? Again, God always sees everything we don't. So one of the pluses, one of the, the important things about writing some of these down and, and praying regularly is we can be reminded. And that compassion that God had can be formed even more in us in a way that others can see and feel. And here's the thing. The natural progression from compassion is the question, what should I do? Look at this, Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called his disciples to him. And he said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days. They've had nothing to eat. And then look what he says. He says, and this is Jesus, right? This is God with us. Jesus says, I am unwilling to send them away hungry. I'm unwilling to just let this go. The more we pray like Christ, that starts to happen in us too. We move from compassion to what would you have me to do? And that's your next blank here. When we pray more like Christ, we realize that we are sometimes the answer to our prayer. Somebody should do something. Yes. Yes, somebody should do something. Can we do everything? Nope. That's one of the reasons why we want to learn to pray like Jesus. Did Jesus heal everybody that needed healing in the first century? Did Jesus feed everyone who was hungry in the first century? Did Jesus right every injustice in the first century? Praying like Jesus, we we start to realize we should do something. Can't do everything, but we should do something. With a show of hands, how many of you are concerned about the world that our kids and teens are growing up with in, in these, right? We would love your help. And I'm not saying this to be guilty. I'm just saying here's a practical example. We would love your help. We got a ton of kids right here in this church, a ton of teenagers. We would love your help. You could answer that prayer. When it comes to poverty, how many of you ache when you see images of poverty on the TV screen? You hear about these things, right? Seven of us, come on. How many, right? right? 
don't worry, I'm not going to make you sign up for anything. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> you trust me. Sorry, I need to give that disclaimer. I'm not going to. And here you go. Sign this pledge in blood. You know. Um, but I will say this: in Lent, we're going to have a child sponsorship drive. That is one of the best ways you can protect, transform, help a child. You could answer that prayer. Can we do everything? Nope. Can't do everything. But as we pray, there might be one or two things that start to stir in you where you say, I am unwilling. I am unwilling to just let this go. And we become the answer to that prayer. God works through us. Well, as I was praying about this message, I made a connection um, that I'd never made before. And maybe you all have made this connection before, and I'm really slow, but here's the connection. When we pray like Christ prayed, we engage our hearts and our souls and our minds. We draw closer to God. We draw closer to one another. And isn't that the essence of Christianity? Jesus was once asked this question, found in Matthew 22, 36 to 39. Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that where prayer takes us? If we're praying like Jesus prayed, it takes us to that place, doesn't it? To the great commandment, to the essence of Christianity. If we don't pray like Jesus prayed, it can take us to all kinds of other places. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. There's a place to write this in your notes. The more we pray like Christ, the more we learn what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Well, as we bring this teaching to a close, I want to invite you, please be praying for our teens this month. Please, please, please. This is a big one. Big one. These camps really, really matter. They have the potential to change lives. And as I was preparing for this message on prayer, and as I was preparing for snow camp this, these last couple weeks, I started to remember the relationship between the two that I experienced at my last church. At my last church, we would take hundreds of kids to camp, hundreds of teens to camp, and we would have hundreds of parents praying. And we saw things happen that were profound, that were far beyond what we did just because we were really good at programming. Far beyond that. I'm going to just give you one little example that's kind of fun, one that we're going to, if you're going to middle school camp this weekend, just go la, 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 okay, because you're going to hear this one, all right? Here's an example of something that happened at camp. So this one's fresh in my mind. So this backstory is this. We were at a camp called Ironwood Springs Christian Ranch. Some of you actually might have been there for this week. Um, and, and we were praying. And as I was in the, in the chat, in the, it was the rec center at that time where we used to do our sessions. I'm there and I'm praying and I got this vivid picture in my head. Vivid picture in my head. There were these storm clouds and there was lightning. And it was as if God wanted to say to the people, he was looking down on us. He wanted to say, are you ready? Are you ready for what I want to do? So I'm like, I'll share that with the group. So I shared that with the group. And after I shared that with the group, a young man came up afterwards with, with a picture that he drew. And we'll put it up on the screens here. And the picture that he drew, he said, I saw that too. While you were up there talking, I saw that too. And in my head, I'm going, sure you did. As I was describing it, you know, in my head, I'm saying this. As I was describing it, you began to picture it, right? Power of suggestion. That's nice and what a great picture. But then I looked at the picture more closely. And I don't know if you can see it there. But up in the upper corner, there's hands around those clouds. The vision I saw in my head had those hands, but I didn't tell the teenagers about the hands. How cool is that? This is one of the reasons we, we covet your prayers. Because in the natural, prayers help. 
Prayers will help us in preparation. Prayers will help us in the details. Prayers will activate the gifts that God's given us musically or with the games or with creativity or any of that kind of stuff. It can help us in all those ways. But it also, it also can help in the supernatural. So, with a show of hands, could I get some people to commit to be praying for our teenagers these next weekends? Thank you. As God leads, as God leads. There'll be no guilt, there'll be no follow up on that. But, but this just a lot of times helps us to say, oh, I raised my hand. I'll pray. All right. Well, at this time, I want to invite the worship band to come forward. We're going to seal this service with a song. And as they come forward, there's one last thing I want to write and encourage you to write down. It's this. Imagine if more of us prayed more like Christ. Can you imagine that? If more and more of us began to say, God, teach me to pray. And we went deeper and deeper and deeper. And we began to realize, this is how you pray in this situation. This is how you pray in this situation. And then when we come together, this person's like, oh, it might be this. It might be this. It'd be really, really fun, wouldn't it? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that everyone in this room will be inspired to go deeper. We pray against shame. We pray against guilt. We pray against of all the woulda, shoulda, couldas. We instead, Father, pray that you will inspire us from this day forward to go deeper. To seek you. That we may learn from you on how prayer can be so much more than we understand right now. Take us deeper, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.